Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, Jesse, Megan here live with you uh, to have an interesting conversation about the NHL and, and the players in it. And really big contracts, ultimately, is what we're going to be getting into, I suppose. A uh, couple of different angles we can go with that. But the one relevance to today's NHL... Uh, last Friday, Jonathan Uberdo signing with the Calgary Flames, uh, a full boat 10-year, or 8-year rather, $10.5 million deal. Uh, doesn't take into effect until next season, but I wanted to start here, one, because that's a gigantic contract. Two, the Flames now have a piece locked up from that Matthew Kachuk trade. So I certainly feel a little bit better about that trade for them, but where do you guys stand? Yeah, I mean, I think when we talked about it the first time, uh, I think one of the things that I had said was for me to like, I, I liked the return because it kind of felt Columbus Blue Jackets E from a couple of years ago where you're in a bad situation instead of running from it, they kind of embraced it. But one of the caveats I put on that was you need to get one of these guys signed. You can't, you can't do all this, then let them both walk or, or whatever. Um, so you got one signed and now if, you know, now you're kind of are playing with house money. You, you replace Johnny Gaudreau as best you can. Um, not a lot of people thought you could. Um, now you've got, you know, Uyghur that if you can't lock him up, you've got something that you can flip at the deadline if you want. Um, uses your own rental. I, I think given the situation Calgary was in, don't know how you can be upset about it if you're them. That was the thing that, I think, as Jesse mentioned, we, would, we were talking about it would make a difference, not to be as black and white as win or losing the trade, but if they could get any of them long-term. And I don't think any of us were expecting it to happen before the season began. So it sounds like the conversations that Huberto has had with the Flames have gone so positively that he sees a future there, which bodes really well for the duration of the trade. Hopefully it affects, to his motivation to play in Calgary as well. AJ, you seem a little more tentative. Yeah, I mean, it's a gigantic, uh, it's a gigantic risk from the Flames. If you go on uh, Cap Friendly and you use that really great tool that they have to compare that contract, uh, the comparables that pop up all drive home that it's a gigantic risk <laughs> because uh, the list is just like. <laughs> It's like, well, that's a, okay, like you could live with that. Uh, you know, like Johnny Gaudreau is on that list. Philip Forsberg's on that list. So we don't know how those have gone, right? Like we don't know how those deals have aged. Landis Gog's on that list. We don't know how that deal is going to age. Patrick Kane, Steven Stamkos, you love how those have aged. Those have been fine. Those guys have remained high-level players and it's all good. Corey Perry, Jamie Benn, those are kind of disasters. Uh, Jeff Skinner is sort of this weird, like, in between where he's definitely not worth the money that he's making, but it's not like he's bottomed out as an NHL player. Uh, so he's sort of in between there. Uh, Phil Kessel, that deal didn't end particularly well. Uh, Mark Stone now has back problems, so that may age incredibly poorly. Um, like it, it just goes to show you, you're really throwing a dart. You, you think, hey, we're getting one of the best players in the league. 
this is going to be this is this is a good step for us. This is this is good. Uh, the other thing is is that Uberdo is the only one on that list who uh, that contract will start in his thirties. So when you consider that, you're you're talking about paying him an absolute premium for his entire decline, whenever it starts and whenever it ends and whenever his career comes to a quit. Uh, it, it you're paying for all of that, whatever that is, because by 38, he's probably done. Um, so you're paying for the entirety of that, and you're wondering how much prime Uberdo are we getting? So for me, it's a really big risk. I am, look, Brad Treliving, if it goes poorly, it's not his problem. He won't be the guy trying to figure out the back end of that deal. So it's easy to give out and say, I'm not worried about this. I'm trying to compete right now with this group. And in that way, you lose 200-point guys off your roster. Uh, this is about as good a way for them to make up for that as they as you could expect. But if it doesn't go well for him, they're totally sunk. Like, that that they did it sight unseen, you know, for me is, is just a big... It would have been... I. I I would have probably given him 20 games just to see how things are going and be like, okay, this is going the way we want it. Let's do this. Yeah. It, it's a tough spot to be in, right? Obviously at, at $10.5 million, the performance of Huberto has to be elite full stop for years. The majority of that contract for it not to be a disaster, right? Uh, but also I can understand where Calgary's coming from, from a, if you get 20 games in the season and that dude's not signed, you could put yourself in a tight spot because you end up, you know, I, I don't know what the McKenzie Weger situation is. I don't know if he, he's going to stay or not. It, we'll see how that plays out. But again, it certainly seems like Calgary is in a mode where they want to compete right now. Mm-hmm. Not, reassess their trades at the deadline. So, yeah, and you get it. Like they're coming off a division title. Um they've survived the losses best they can. The division that they're in should still be the probably the weakest in the NHL. Yep. Uh just top to bottom. So the the division is vulnerable. They've got a lot of great pieces in place. Uh their defense is really really good, especially with Weger added to that group. They've got a very good goaltender. Uh, you know, their, their forward core is strong. It, it's, it's going to remain potent and dangerous, uh, even with the losses of Kachuk and Gaudreau. Uh, Uberdo is going to be a big part of that. How else they fill some of those holes, we'll see. But uh, that's still a quality hockey team. Like, that's not, I, I don't look at the Calgary Flames as an easy out by, by any stretch. They've got a good head coach, too. And if all those things can fall into place, I can easily see that team winning the Pacific Division again. Like, and that, hey, if you have a team that's in that position for that, do your thing. Like, go for it. I I love the idea that a GM just says, I'm just screw this. Like, I'm not going to be afraid of this moment. I'm not going to let all this stuff talk me out of it. I'm going for this. Uh, I'm, I'm after this. I, I'll take this chance again. The, the fact that he's probably not the guy that'll be around to deal with the end of that contract makes it a lot easier. But if he is, it's only because something has gone very, very well. 
Yeah. Um, okay. The other conversation I want to get into here before we dive into the currently most expensive players, Nathan McKinnon's next contract. He's got one year left on the thing. It, it really feels like he should blow by $10 million on his next deal, right? And I know we've talked about this a decent amount already. But let me start here. Eh. Do you think Nathan McKinnon will be worth his next deal? Certainly to start. <laughs> In year one, at least. Yeah. I could say yes with even more confidence than like a, an Uberdo because of the trend in McKinnon's career and the arc, at, the place in the arc that he's at in his career compared to someone like Uberdo who's nearing 30. Fair enough. And for the record, McKinnon will be 27 at the end of this year. So, well, he turns 27 in a month. But so we'll be 27 turning 28 when that deal kicks in. Uh, so a bit younger than Huberdo for sure. Um, and those couple of extra years, like it doesn't sound like a law, it was just an extra year or two. But I mean, if the decline, whenever, if, if the decline starts at 34 and you sign a guy for eight years at 28, you're fine. Six good years there. Yeah, exactly. You're happy with that deal. If the decline starts at 34 and the starts at, and the contract starts at 30, half that contract is a big problem. So uh, with with Mac, I I think that those couple of years are going to make a significant difference, and he's going to have a chance. I I don't know how it'll go. Everybody wants to talk themselves into their guy as the one that's going to age well and gracefully. I don't know how it's going to go, but uh, you do have to feel like on that list of comparables, he'll at least have a chance to age, like uh, like Stamkos uh, uh, and like. Um, Patrick Kane did, where they remain very good players through the life of those deals. We'll definitely get into to Patrick Kane in a little bit. The other question I wanted to ask on McKinnon, does he become the highest cap hit player in the league? I don't think so. Think he's under McDavid? I do. Um, and I would say that the recent deals, like the Uberdo deal at 10 and a half, again, he's, he's a wing and he's older. So that right there, you would say, oh, well, he's he's less valuable inherently than uh, Jonathan Uberdo, right? But you also look at Uberdo. Uberdo's coming off a 115-point season. You know, you go back the last couple of years, and uh, the, the points between Uberdo and McKinnon going back the last four years, I think, would end up being pretty close on a per-game basis. I think, so, too. Go ahead. I think too, if they're privy to the cap, like in the the trend of when the cap might increase um, more so than you or I, that might be something um, that affects what McKinnon is willing to take on right now. Um, and I think the Avs front office has been more conservative compared to other organizations where this is concerned, and that's something that McKinnon is also aware of and accepting of for the greater good of the team to an extent because he does seem like someone motivated to win more with this team. And I think that means a lot to him to stay with the culture and the organization that has allowed that to happen. Yeah. I mean, there's always the talk of the hometown discount, right? 
what does it look like? Because if he signs for $13 million, it's hard to believe that the Avs got one. You know, uh, if he signs for if he signs for eleven million dollars, we can absolutely be like, mm, he probably shaved a little bit off of that deal to 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 make life a little easier for the front office moving forward. Uh, just to follow up, I was curious over the last four years, uh, Jonathan Uberto has three hundred and forty six points, and Nathan McKinnon has three hundred and forty five. Wow! Now McKinnon has twenty two. Yeah. Yeah, he's got 22 fewer games played, but their points per game are right in line with each other. Yeah. So I do think that that is probably, I do think that you're probably having the conversation. Like, you look at that 10 and a half, you look at Johnny Gaudreau going into free agency uh, at 28 years old and getting the deal that he got coming off of, uh, coming off a 115 point season. Like Nathan McKinnon doesn't have a hundred point season under his belt, right? So he has many, many, many of them that were on pace in a full two games, though. <laughs> right, but it hasn't. It's a thing that he has not done. And uh, when I, I guess when you consider that, when you look at just like, hey, you're you're not gonna get you're you're not gonna get too like you're not gonna draw too hard of a line because. Nathan McKinnon has also been a point per game player in every single postseason of his NHL career. So you're looking at that and you're like, "Mm." it's not, it's not even just point per game. It's 93 points in 70 playoff games. That's right. A third playoff production. It's not particularly close. And I say McKinnon doesn't have a hundred point season. He has seasons of 97, 99 and 93. As well as he just had an 88-point season in 65 games. The 93 was in 69 games. (laughs) Right. Like, we're talking about, like, he has been one of the league's most prolific players. Yeah. But (laughs) is it... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm having trouble inserting myself today and picking the most horrible times. You're good. I just want to say there's two sides to it. Like, how much does it pay a winning player to be on a winning team? And how much do you pay a winning player to make your team a winning team? And in McKinnon's case, he's a winning player on a winning team, and you want it to continue that way. And when you look at someone like McDavid, it's a winning player on a team that hopes to become a winning team. And it affects both parties in that situation. There are arguments to be made for each, too. Like, you want to pay the player that could make your team a winning team more. But you also, as a player, probably want to be a winning player on a winning team. And so it's hard to say how much of that would influence this because it could really go either way. I would also say that that when you look at the contracts in the league and you're kind of going through them, like right now, Kale McCarr is going to be like the 34th highest paid player by AAV. In in the NHL, all right, and that that contract, like the ink just dried on that deal. I mean, that, and it, that was a great deal three weeks after it was signed, right. and, <laughs> and like that's the highest contract that a defenseman has ever gotten coming off an ELC, yep. ever. So like you think about that part of it, and it's like it's not like the Evs did that guy dirty. The rest of the NHL is stupid. <laughs> yeah, so. Because because we saw like we saw the yeah. the Kale McCarr deal as you mentioned, Kale McCarr signs that contract three weeks later, 
you have Darnell Nurse and Seth Jones, and you're like, are you for real with this? What what I think nobody wants to have happen again, I mean, the Avs would probably love it, but it's a little uncomfortable when Nathan McKinnon is the player that we're talking about. He's a top, he's a, a bona fide top 10 NHL player. Uh, but he is, he is 103rd in the NHL this upcoming season in cap hit. 103rd. Genuinely so, one of the best contracts in the league, if not the best for the last couple of years. Right. And one of the best be, contracts in pro sports. To be yeah. replaced by Kale McCarr's deal. Uh, but it's like, where do you where do you go from there? If you look at current contract comparables, you look at all that, you can absolutely say, okay, he should get he should get a little bit more. Um, this it, with without the pandemic, this deal was probably going to be like not not even like twelve and a half to to match McDavid would have been fine. Yeah, probably would have been a steal. This was a contract that was headed to like fourteen million dollars. And now I think I, I think you do look at some of the recent deals. Talking about May fourteen, yeah. Without Ooh, the I pandemic, well, without, right. yeah, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Sorry. Without I'm the pandemic, yes, yes, yes. When he had two hundred twenty point year. seasons, yeah, yeah, I was right. Like, yeah, okay, all right, I okay, yes, I'm with you because then the cap would have kept going up, and exactly, uh, we I'm there wouldn't have been all that stagnation, yeah, yep, 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 yep. so. You're saying you're saying like now you're you're looking at it and you're like okay well McDavid is the only guy making twelve so if uh, if they just stop at twelve just twelve even again how much of a discount is he really giving you how much do you really care if the cap truly does go up the way that we expect it to in the next few years you can work around twelve especially with uh, as has always been the case. McKinnon's contract, Eric Johnson's contracts, they expire at the same time. There's your money. You found your money. Easy peasy. So that's uh, like that's the easy math. And I think I think we should still prepare for that number. And if if it comes in anywhere in the elevens, then you know yeah. Mac absolutely did them a solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can go find that at your local liquor store, uh, pretty much anywhere, anywhere in the States at least. So be sure to check that out. You can go to breckbrew.com to see all of their beers, which there are dozens. And they also have a bunch of dope merch, including their uh, their Breckbrew Avalanche hat, which everyone absolutely loves. So be sure awesome. to go check all of that stuff out. Breckbrew's dope. I don't. I haven't looked at the bar. It, it, how's the uh, how's the Reno coming along? Are we getting there? I've uh, there. None of us know. Great. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was gonna say I was about to give an update from when I was like, oh, well, I was there last week, and we were all there last week. But <laughs> I uh, I went walking through the bar a bit. Um, when I was in there, nothing is like starting to get the finish, but like most of the stuff is like framed out where it's all gonna go. So I mean. Getting towards the fun part, we just get to do all the finishing stuff. So yes, getting there, getting there. <laughs> uh, we're we're talking about uh, the the reopening next week, right? Really? I thought it was the week after next. 
like uh, next week. No, I, I guess the 18th or... is next week. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. I was gonna say, I thought it was the the 18th was the day that we were looking at. Yep. That's awesome. So, <clears throat> pretty soon. Pretty soon. Um, we're also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Just uh, one scoop in your cup of water every morning. Make sure to keep you healthy and going. It gets your immune system active. It helps as a pre-workout. A bunch of athletes use it all the time to make it part of their lives so they can have what they need. Uh, it has up 75 different vitamins and minerals, a bunch of probiotics, electrolytes, all that good stuff for your body to keep you going, keep you in shape, keep you healthy. So, Go check it out today. You can go to athleticgreens.com slash DNVR to get your package today. Again, super easy. The, the best thing about it is it's literally just one scoop and a cup of water. It's nothing fancy. You don't have to do anything crazy with it. You just do it and you drink it. Uh, go check it out. When you order, you also get five travel facts and a year's supply of vitamin D. So they got you fully covered. You can take control of your health today with Athletic Greens. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, first of all, shout out to Tyler Sagan, who is the highest paid player in actual dollars this coming season. He's making $13 million, but his AAV just under ten on the full contract. So he doesn't quite make the list. But for 22-23, there are 13 players in the eight-figure salary club, or at least eight-figure cap hit club. Um and it's a very interesting bunch of players. It's a little bit all over the place, and that's why I wanted to get into it. Uh, now, we've already mentioned the most, the highest paid guy here a bunch. Yes, AJ? Is it is it 13 because you're not counting Carey Price? No, it is 13 counting Carey Price. Oh, I no, I can't count. It's 14. Sorry. Uh, I would have understood not counting Carey Price because we just don't know if he's going to play. Yeah, is there anything to even say about him right now other than... Hope, I hope he's okay. Hope for the best, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, not carry Price off the list just because we don't. That's that's all you can really say about him. Thirteen other players. Huberto doesn't count yet uh, because his deal doesn't kick in until next season. Mm-hmm. So, not there yet. Uh, at the top, Connor McDavid. I think we've kind of already talked about him a little bit. Certainly on this list, uh, he's the most. If you're looking at actual dollar value to production. He's the most effective player in the eight-figure salary. <clears throat> he near, nearly got it down to $100,000 per point this season, uh, which is kind of the – you're getting really good value on the contract if you get that for a forward. So, For the record, uh, since there's some conversation in the chat about Crosby's deal, uh, Crosby has signed one of those – it was like, like a 15 year dollar. Yeah, it was like one of those freak yeah. deals that you're not allowed to sign anymore. Uh, but thinking that he took a big time discount, uh, he said, Yeah, he signed a 12 year deal worth 104.4 million. And his the cap hit percentage at the time of signing was 14.5, which is yep. really high. Um, the, the cap hit percentage for McDavid's deal is 16.67. Just because I was curious, because uh, these two are always linked together, the Ovechkin deal, when it was signed, its cap hit percentage was 18.96. Jesus. So, uh, that, the, the, the Ovechkin one is the highest one that I had found in terms of percentage, but Crosby absolutely 
his his actual percentage uh, cap hit percentage when he when he signed was uh, higher than what Panarin's was when Panarin signed. So what? he might have taken he might have taken a minor discount, but it was minor. I, I was going to say, and maybe I'm talking out of my ass here when I say this, but my at least memory of it was yeah, like you said, it was more of like a I'll take a small little haircut here to make sure that this last, you know, these couple pieces can fit fit in. But yeah, people, people talk about it now because it looks great now, 12 years later, like, yeah, you're also relying on a guy. Right. Like, Like, well, well, and and, you know, people, people talk about it. Like he took like $5 million under market value. It's like, no, he, he made his money, but he around the fringes, Helped yeah. out. I mean, Fringes. Let's not forget on um, the contract he signed before this, he missed an entire season with those neck head problems. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, there were some legitimate injury concerns there too. Yeah, like they they did right by that dude uh, coming right off of all of those issues. Uh, him getting a twelve year contract. Yeah. Um, so I I don't think that this was any like. Uh, I don't think I don't think it was like I like I think it was a, it was just each side doing doing right by the other because if yep. he aged well then he was going to be a bargain on the back half of it like he's only making three million dollars this year uh, in terms of salary so yeah in in that in that regard and the eight point seven cap hit like that ah, that's awesome you you're thrilled about that but. It was definitely they definitely took a chance there, and yeah, again sure. by the by the cap hit percentage, uh, you're talking about which which allows you to adjust for what the cap actually was at the time. Um, well, it was very expensive, but it was workable. It's a great point that you bring up. The last three years, uh, he only makes three million dollars because the cap hit of the first seven years of that deal is like. 11 million dollars and then they added on the billion years to lower the cap hit so what nhl teams used to do that constantly until the nhl said stop doing that well it was kovalchuk right that was where they were like okay okay (laughs) what uh, there was at least one deal where they added in like two years of like one million dollars on the end of a gigantic Mm -hmm. deal and it was like you're clearly just cheating the cap at this point. Like, right. come on. I would also, I would also say that had uh, they not been allowed to sign that deal, and he, it was capped at eight years, like the deals are today, that his next contract would have, it, it would have been uh, two seasons ago. It would have been the fifty-six game season. Yep. Uh, after that season, he would have been a free agent, and what kind of extension would he have gotten? Coming off of, he had been, he had continued to be a point per game player, but again, injuries uh, were keeping him out of games, and uh, his playoff production had started to really slip. I don't know that I don't know that he would have made eight point seven, um, like maybe, like maybe, right? Maybe they would have just been like, "Hey, have at it," um, and you know aging on into his late thirties, it would have been just fine. But anyway, uh, those, those deals are a lot harder to gauge just because they were signed in such a different environment. And, you know, the fact that they've gotten that, that, that they've gotten what they've gotten out of a 12 year contract, like Ovechkin getting through a 13 year deal and then just signing another one is like, 
Huh. Okay. That went well. Okay. <laughs> cool. Russian machine never break. Yeah. True. Exactly. Yo, my freight delivery driver was very, very Russian. Just now. Neat. Nice. He was uh straight. I, I thought I thought I was dealing with Ovi's dad or something. <laughs> I really understood him. Garage? Yeah, the garage is fine. <laughs> Whatever you want, man. Uh, speaking of Russians, the second highest cap hit in the league, Artemi Panarin. It's an interesting one, which it's crazy to me that that contract is already half over. And I know hear that deal. <laughs> it feels like yesterday he was a free agent, and we were yeah. all hyped up and like, "Come on!" Think of the Colorado. <laughs> well, save Colorado eleven point six million dollars of cap hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that would have been an expensive addition. Um, Panarin mm-hmm. obviously has played excellently for New York. There's no doubt about that. He, you know, he massive play driver for them all the way through that. He's thirty now. Has four years left on the deal. Can the Rangers ask for anything more out of him at this point? I guess is my question. I don't think so. He got Ryan Strom paid. <laughs> really held up his end of the bargain. But if I'm looking at it comparatively to like what he would have been here in Colorado, I'd like that to be the Rangers' problem and not Colorado's problem. I mean, we talked about it. Was that last week's show? I don't know. I don't even know what time is anymore. Whenever it was, we did the show about you can't build your team through free agency. Uh, he's, I think, one of those rare examples where you look at big time free agent, big ticket, and really, I don't think there's anybody that would complain about the way that that's gone in New York uh, with with Panarin. Yeah. And it was uh, a a seven-year deal, uh, again, like right in that 14.3% cap it percentage range, which is top shelf, but not, uh, you know, not top, not tip top in the league. Um, uh, 95 and 96 point seasons and has not played 82 games. Like he, he's done, he's certainly done his part. He was also wildly productive on their run this year um, on a really low scoring team that other teams basically had to sell out the farm to stop Artemi Panarin, otherwise, and because of Anajad, otherwise the Rangers weren't going to score goals. Uh, so I, I do, uh, I think that that's. I have a hard time thinking that anybody's unhappy about that deal. Yeah. Well, and, and like good for him too, because that's, you know, you never know how much this actually factors into it. But when you see people, you see guys in any sport go out and sign those big free agent deals to go to a new team. A lot of the time that pressure can get to you when you sign a big deal with the, team that you're currently with. Yes, there's pressure. You know, Val Nachushkin has pressure on him this year to up his play even more, keep his play where it's at, et cetera, et cetera. But there is just another element to your team giving big money to a guy from the outside, bringing him in. Now, suddenly, this is your highest paid player. The 
expectations are on, you know, this guy was playing for the Columbus Blue Jackets with house money in that playoff run. And then just a few months later, it's like, okay, hey, you're the guy in one of the biggest markets on earth. Can you do it? Yeah. And he's, and he's, and he he's wanted handled, it. Yeah. He's handled that. He's performed like, in, in, again, you still have to see how the deal finishes. It's a big cap hit. It's a big dollar amount. But to this point, um, what what more could the New York Rangers forget ask out of our Pevington? Like, what more could he possibly give you? Like, he's done everything he wanted. So, the true tip top, tip tip top of highest cap hits in the league. It seems like teams have gotten their value out of. Yeah, I think I. I mean, I think the next guy on the list is Austin Matthews, who I think uh, I. I don't know about the rest of the gang here, but I've got no bones here. When you're the first guy to score 60 in like 15 years, it's hard to argue against that. Yeah. Um, also, the youngest guy on this list, so his contract, you know, takes him right into his prime, basically. Yeah, I mean, Austin, and you look at Austin Matthews' career; his worst season is a 34 goal season. Yep. Um. Nope. Like this is a this is a guy that is probably he's he's probably the heir to the Ovechkin throne as the ultimate the the goal scorer of this generation. He is that that guy. He's that dude uh, because Patrick Laine fell apart and couldn't handle it. So it looks like it's it's Austin Matthews running uh, running away with it, and you know I, I don't know that there's a contract too expensive for a guy like that, especially when he provides the kind of on ice de- uh, uh, defensive impacts that Matthews does, where if you go and you look at it, it's a lot of blue. He's a real, he's a real solid defensive player. Do you guys think he sticks around? Uh, I've always said no. I agree. I, yeah, I do. I do think he probably leaves, but what conversation a winning player on a team that does the player make it a winning team i think that's who Toronto looks to matthews to be but if i'm a winning player i do eventually want to win and i think that that could become a difficult part of the conversation for him to consider as he gets just a little bit older he's still so young but it but you eventually want the team you're on to become a winning team with you in it and you do wonder how much look look if they can't get out of the first round again, right? right. How the much lack does of progress? That, yeah, yeah. How much does that wear on a guy? You know, because we saw uh, would Connor McDavid even still be in Edmonton if they hadn't made that big playoff run in his second year? They get to the second round, and that's when he signed his contract. <laughs> if 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 he had waited and waited uh, the the maximum amount of time. Would he still be in Edmonton? Would he have? Would he have decided? Yeah, that's that's where I want to be because when he made that decision, it was easy, right? Hey, they're they're it's my second season. We just got out of the second round of the playoffs, right? Like things are already going great. They're trending up. I'm going to be an Oiler forever. Edmonton is back, and then we know how things have gone. So. You know, I, I do wonder, like, how much that, and I think that Matthews is an interesting litmus test to the winning player making it a winning team theory that we're that we're developing here. Uh, 
I also wonder, like, I also think it's the next big test of high-profile American player playing in Canada. Because we just yep. watched two of them get out of Calgary. And, you know, you wonder how much of... Uh, and he's a younger guy. So there may not be as... the It may not be quite the same. Um, you know, Kachuk is... I think Kachuk is the same age as, as Matthew. So uh, maybe not quite the same. But you wonder what the priorities are. Well... I think it's an interesting conversation because we're not that far removed. If the Avs lost in the second round this season, you're having the same conversation about Nathan McKinnon, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there were plenty of people in our chat. People have participated in our chat today (laughs) who were openly talking about the idea that Nathan McKinnon was going to walk on Colorado because – they couldn't get out of the second round, and he was going to be frustrated with that. And so he was going to leave. And you wonder, like, I wonder about a guy like uh, uh, McKinnon who went through those couple of years. He went through those three years. You know, they had the, the crazy run as a rookie. Then the three really be- the, the three years that they just got worse and worse until they bottomed out in 16-17. That does encourage players to stick it out a little bit. Well, and, and I wonder that perspective right instead of uh instead of matthews who has come in and even though they haven't advanced they've made the postseason every single season of his career i wonder i wonder how much that perspective of missing those couple of years helped with mckinnon be like when i have a winning situation don't i'm gonna value the crap out of it Versus if if Matthews decides, uh, you know, this this just, just isn't working in Toronto. I'm I want out of here. I'm gonna go ahead and bounce and I'm gonna go elsewhere, you know, where wherever that ends up being. I have I genuinely have no idea. Like the meme is that he goes home to Arizona. I don't know. Maybe he does. It would be ton, ten tons of fun if he did. Mm-hmm. Uh because then you would get you know, the central division would just continue to be the Thunderdome and I'm all about that. Uh but it you know, you you would wonder, like, okay, where does he go? Uh, are they going to continue to make the postseason every year? Because I think for the next couple of years, Matthews has, what, two years left on his deal? Yeah, two years left on his deal. The Maple Leafs are absolutely good enough to make the postseason this year and next. They should do that. But if they don't, I wonder if them going backwards is like... Or and if they don't get out of the first yeah. round, I wonder if that pushes him away, and he says, um, "I don't know about that." See, to me, and we talked about it with when when Kachuk got, I think it was when Kachuk got traded, and I had mentioned that, like, you know, I is are we seeing a new wave of players who? It's not that they don't have loyalty to the teams. It's not that they don't want to be in the cities or whatever, but they they have an idea of what they want to do. It's this is a very limited window that you get to do this and they're going to go do what they want to do. They're going to play where they want to play. They're going to make the money they want to make and they're going to be open about it. Matthews is honestly the guy that I've had in my mind with that. I, I agree with you that I think if they don't make it out of the first round in the next two years, let alone miss the playoffs, I think he's gone. I think that makes it easy for him. But for real, this is a guy, and this isn't anything about Matthews. This isn't even about anything about Toronto. Just when you listen to him speak and you see the way 
that he kind of carries himself. He conducts himself. He does just strike me as someone as when I get to UFA, I'm going to make the decision I want to make. And if it's not in Toronto, it's nothing personal to the fans, the organization, the city. I just want to go where I want to go. Um, and I, I do. I, I think it's Arizona. I think it's kind of been writing on the wall for years. He goes to all kinds of Arizona Coyote games. They play tribute videos for him anytime he's in Arizona, like playing the Coyotes. Uh, they always do a little like uh, montage. Welcome home, Austin Matthews. I just think there's too many ties there. Um, they'll have money to pay him in two years. Uh, I, I just, when he signed his deal that walked him, cause I, I don't think they bought any UFA years with that deal. If my memory serves me correct, or maybe one, um, I'm maybe the last one, maybe, maybe one year. But I remember when he signed that deal, you, I mean, yeah, one, he had the option to go longer term, I believe. By oh, a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, every so team, every team, year? every team wants those guys to sign eight-year deals. Right, him yeah, signing yeah. a him signing a five-year deal was an initial shot across the bow. Right, and and so it was just kind of a. I remember when you saw that, it was like, yep, that's kind of what everyone thought. He walked himself right to right to UFA, and again, I don't think it has anything to do with Toronto, the city, or the organization. Austin Matthews is going to make the decision that he wants to because it's his right. I, it honestly might. Like, we don't know that it doesn't, right? Like, he could just be like, everything I do up here is right. scrutinized. Like, I, I'll go back to Arizona. I could be a hero of the people. Yeah, I can make a bajillion dollars because if the cap goes up the way that we think it could two years from now, the Coyotes are still going to be kind of bad. You know, he yeah. could be like, hey, look, I'll, I'll, I'll go take $14 million from those guys. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and how much, how fun of a story would that be? And I'm sorry to any Maple Leafs fans. If you're listening to this, sorry, Harry, I'm how not fun- honestly, because they do it to every single fucking fan base that exists. Oh. Well, no, no, I was going to say, I was going to say how fun would it be to see Austin Matthews go back to Arizona and the Arizona kid brings a cup to the coyotes. Their whoa, first whoa. ever. What? Every cup that somebody else wins is a cup Colorado doesn't, so I'm not about this bullshit. <laughs> but he could go sign in Arizona, and they can make Eventually. the playoffs again. Eventually. I'm cool with uh, them making some playoffs. I'm not, no, whoa, whoa, whoa on this winning a Stanley Cup thing. Uh, But, all right, how about this? Bring the Coyotes to relevancy. Yeah. The Arizona kids. Let's do that. Because Brings the Coyotes they'll have- to relevancy. Josh Doan could be on that team too. So you could have a couple of right. Arizona natives like, all right, like here we do, we doing it out in the desert. <laughs> no, it'd be, it'd be awesome. And and I think he knows that. And I do think is Arizona, a no state tax state. Don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 100% positive. Their, their state tax rate is lower than Toronto. Uh, their provincial tax rates. So like he's going to make more money. Uh, the, the the writing was the writing started forming on the wall when he signed the five year deal. Yeah, it, and and it's sort of been a thing, and it's a thing that Maple Leafs fans are ultra touchy about because they're tired of hearing about it. Uh, unironically, knowing you know that they do this to every fan base with <laughs> every player born in the GTA, where you're just like, we get it, we get it, we yeah, get it's it. True. I never really thought about that. Every every time an Ontario kid. 
gets a free agency. Well, he probably wants to go back home and play for the Maple Leafs. Yeah. I mean, Actually, probably we, not. Should we just skip the next two and go straight to John Tavares if we're in this conversation? <laughs> well, who are the, the next world. Two? I think who are the next two. We got to uh, keep an eye on Arizona. They've quietly prepped themselves in a way that Chicago did so obviously to have a difficult season. And if Bedard does go to Arizona, Matthews is going to be there in a couple years. Well, true. Then, then it doesn't matter passing on Shane Wright for fucking Logan Cooley yeah. because they have Connor Bedard and Austin Matthews and they're being Three C. No, Logan Cooley will be a wing. He'll be a wing. He probably would be a wing. Logan Cooley's not going to be a center in the NHL. Really, you believe that? Yes, I do. I think he can be a center. He anyway, be- <laughs> we can absolutely play. skip the next two because Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty are in way oh. different circumstances yeah. where Carlson, just the injuries, yeah, sap his career too much, entirely. too much yeah. of the game. Uh, Ottawa sold high, fleeced the Sharks, and Carlson is now the guy left holding the bag in San Jose. It's a heavy bag, but it's a bag. <laughs> Uh, and then Drew Doughty got the cup championship and sometimes it's still good and sometimes isn't and you know whatever he still has a high voice I mean he's, he's also he's, he's a great mic'd up I always love him oh, yeah. to get a, he's a got mic'd up kisses. on yeah I like when he squeaks at other players it makes me <laughs> laugh every time that's a strategy I've wondered why players don't use more. It's just making weird sounds on the ice unexpectedly. The Brent Burns strategy? <laughs> yeah. I'll say, I, I grew up with a kid that, not like all the time, but he would do shit like that. Yell at guys, just make weird sounds. Uh, he'd always he'd do it a lot. Like Goalie like swallowed a puck up and he had it under him. Like He'd go behind him and like react as if the puck was loose and he'd make all kinds of weird noises and stuff and got got people a couple times okay it's just the new hockey meta we're discovering yeah. right now i mean i we used to do that in one of the maps in halo too because of the proximity mics <laughs> we used to we had a guy on our team who wasn't any good but he was very very entertaining <laughs> uh so we would we would send him over to on beaver creek i don't know if you guys i don't know rudo if you remember that I, map i do i do very tiny the one with the teleporters behind the bases yep uh, and we, because of the proximity mics and how small that map was, if you put a guy behind their base, you could basically drown out their team comms. <laughs> and that guy, that's what he would do. He talking would just... Shit. <laughs> it was more like talking dirty. Uh, okay. And it was it was very uncomfortable. But... It's Xbox Live at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. It was, dude, it was the Wild West of the Xbox Live days. <laughs> like, it was early Xbox Live. And... We used to, he used to do that, and it was, he, he wasn't very good, but it, that was very entertaining. <laughs> Gotta be good at something. All right. Get us out of the Xbox Live era before we say something we're going to regret. Uh, after the two defensemen, you have the last player in the $11 million and up category of John Tavares. Uh, obviously, the people who know AJ are very familiar with his, uh, his leaving of the New York Islanders to go sign at home with this deal I dream I dream <laughs> dream there are nights the entire dream 
is just me hopping on Twitter and seeing that Austin Matthews signed with the Coyotes and posts a picture of him with some Kachina logoed bed sheets. <laughs> the and I take just the victory lap of victory laps and watch as the city burns. And I just I get to feel like Bane standing on uh <laughs> standing on the steps of whatever building that was supposed to be. I don't even know. Um like that courthouse where he was just like standing out there like looking at the city that he had destroyed like <laughs> That's gonna be me on the internet that day. The, as soon as you saw hundred percent. As soon as you saw the pajamas picture, you knew that was gonna go bad. That the contract just wasn't gonna it was doomed. The interesting part about Tavares is despite getting this eleven million dollar deal, there's now only three years left on it. Obviously, Toronto has nothing to show for it. Tavares is thirty one, but I'm a little bit surprised at how well he got paid. I understand it was a free agency deal, but you're looking at a guy who, you know, he floats pretty close to the point per game mark per season, but he's never really come close to a 100 point season. He's never really come close to being one of those true top end producers in the league. And I understand, you know, he has a solid, well-rounded game on the defensive side too, but points pay in the NHL, right? And yet Tavares seemed to buck that trend. Tavares is a bum. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I'm not going to hear anything about his defensive game. If that dude takes a, a stride in the defensive zone, it's been a good day. Well, and and honestly, I mean, kind of, kind of to your point, like, you know, he's he's been fine. Like the point production's been... Pretty much in line with his entire career. Okay, right. Like, it's been good, but, I, I mean, is there anyone that can say that that hasn't been a disappointment or, like, a I letdown think, of a marriage? I think year one, when he scored 47 goals, you're like, okay, we'll take that. And then since then, uh, it's been a pretty sharp drop-off. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, to be honest, the goal scoring hasn't really hasn't been there, and he's never been like an elite playmaker. So uh, he's just he's just okay, and he disappears a little too easily in the postseason. Uh, you would think that that's where he would really get big, because teams are going to be honing in on you know they're going to be throwing resources. Oh, we got to stop Matthews. We got to stop that guy, and so. When you have an eleven million dollar two C, that guy should be eating greedy, and instead, most of the time he's still wrapped up in those fucking bed sheets. <laughs> uh, didn't bother showing up for the game that day. So, you know, uh, I would just, I would just say he's. <sighs> and if we're looking at the rest of this, it's list, quite delightful to watch. And we're looking person. positionally and age wise, he is kind of. And we've we've already written off a couple age wise, like Eric Carlson and Drew Dowdies, but just positionally and age wise, he doesn't really stack up with the other centers in this top ten list. And then even just as a forward in production wise, we look at Panarin, who's thirty and probably would become comparable, at least by age. And his production is so much better, even defensively. He compares, and it just among the other people in this list, Tavares is kind of bot the bottom of it. 
I would also say that his decline, I think, is going to be rapid. Abrupt, yeah. <laughs> because uh, he is a guy, he's a guy that's never been much of a, a skater as is. Yeah. And when that really starts to, if he can, if he can figure out a second act and he can turn into Joe Pavelski, where the, he gets by on being a bad skater, and he's able to he's able to get to the front of the net, and he's able to find he's able to really redefine his game. He has a much better chance to age well. If that does not happen though, and the second that those boots really start to slip on him, it's done. He, he's done. Like he's he's already I think in that in that area where he's struggling uh, to just stay at the level that he is. And you're starting to see you're starting to see a little more hot cold with him, where he's got to get really hot to make up for the cold, to 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 kind of stay more even keeled here. And I'm I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm comically biased, and you know, I hope he breaks both feet getting out of bed today. But um, you know, I I don't know that I don't know that by the end of that contract. Uh, if he is a top six player, he has he's he's a guy that I I have such a such a concern about his aging curve that I think it could be he could be one of those guys where like like Danny Heatley where it just he hits the wall and that is it. There's no dead cat bounce. There's nothing. He just hits the wall and it's over for him. So two things that Megan, you and AJ just said that again, just to me, drive this point home that, I mean, you're looking at an $11 million cap hit for even three more years still. Not only has he kind of been on the whole disappointing, and like you said, with that list you're looking at, he's near the bottom. Uh, this dude's not on most nights. Like, the whole point in having him there is, wow, you have John Tavares tucked behind Austin Matthews. Like he gets to feast on those, you know, second matchups. He got the Nazem Kadri matchups all year. And you're sitting there, you're like, so you're not even, it's not even like you're getting swallowed up by he's going out there every night against the other team's top lines or top defenders. And he's really starting to slip. It's like, no, you're getting second lines, second pairings, um, you know, not shut down lines. And you're still, the play still is on a steady decline. So that's a concern, one. And then two, like, is this just one of those, you hear people talk about it all the time and, you know, we can sometimes brush it off because, you know, you can never have too many good players. But like, is this one of those situations where there's only one puck and you actually see it like having the negative impact on the way that maybe this team is put together you have a guy who was the guy in New York and it's like, Hey, come here and kind of play second, third, fourth fiddle. Um, you know, just kind of do whatever. It just, it, it didn't feel good when they signed it. It felt like they overpaid to get him out of New York. Uh, and honestly, I think with every passing year, AJ can feel better and better. Um, cause it's, it's been bad. Uh, it's been bad. All right, very quickly on this one, next on the list, just under 11 million, Mitch Marner. Uh, a little bit different because he held out for his contracts and basically got Toronto to give him everything he wanted. But 
for the most part, has lived up to the deal, except for I, I know Toronto is does not like him in the playoffs. But They're hard on him. Yeah. yeah. They don't deserve him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> He's just like, that's exactly what they deserve. <laughs> I, I love Mitch Marner, so um, oh, their hate, their their hatred of Mitch Marner, they can uh, they can put that in the bin. Uh, he's great. Uh, he's a great player. I think he's living up to his deal. And again, like the guys that we're talking about uh, as the ones who are easily worth are predominantly the guys who are on post DLC deals and not the UFA deals. And their mid UFA deals have been kind of iffy so far. It's basically Panarin is the only one that really yeah, lived up to that. Yeah, and it's not – I will say JT, like, I, I don't think I – th- I think I, I think JT's been a mild disappointment for the Maple Sure, he, he's not a disaster. It, yeah. it has not been the Corey Perry level of fall-off where you're like, whoa. But I, I think that, it, again, my fear is that his aging curve is that, and that by the end of that deal we'll talk about it. But halfway through the deal, it's not that bad. It's just, honestly, it's probably like a million and a half too much. Yeah, maybe maybe two million too much, but I don't think it's like I don't think I don't think you're talking about a three million dollar player here making eleven million. You know, like you you're still talking about a a borderline point per game guy here. So Corey Perry had a dope year last year though. On a much more appropriate contract, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say that was that was probably the best million dollar player last year. It's, it's funny. It's funny how those uh, those expectations change when that salary is different. You just look at them through a different lens because you you look at a guy making a million dollars and you're like, ah, anything that we get out of this guy, we're pretty excited <laughs> about. You look at a guy making eleven million dollars and you're like, he's only been a point per game player every year. Bum. Yeah. Now I I will say uh, Mitch well, Marner. Go ahead. I, Megan looks like she's knee deep in like a stats page over there, so I wanted to well, know what she was no, looking. At. I was I was like he's above a point per game, and he's twenty five. Oh, Mitch Marner, I, yes. Oh, yeah, sorry, Mitch, who are we talking about? Marner Marner is absolutely. I'm. I'm just, Marner, I AJ can't get over to Paris. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's oh, okay. I'm, I'm very high on Marner, and I just wanted to defend his honor in case we were not. <laughs> I love Mitch Marner. I have since draft year. I'm all about Mitch Marner's great. The the only the only time where I really felt like the criticism was deserved was was that last year's postseason where him and Matthews just like fully disappeared. Um it's hard to defend yourself when you don't score a goal in the, two straight playoff years. I mean right. It was two. Flip, yeah. That flipping the puck over the glass felt like a flashpoint for the whole city of Toronto. <laughs> Yeah, but otherwise, I, I like I'm I'm kind of with this general conversation of, um, I've I've regularly felt like he was unfairly scrutinized for who he is, what role he plays on that team, and just the I mean overwhelming amount of skill that he has. Um, you know, we talked a lot this last year about Andre Burakovsky and how you put up with a guy like that and the and the lumps that come with it because he's got that like kind of the game breaking shot where in an instant he can bury one. Mitch Marner has the same type of thing, but not really the shot. It's the speed in the hands where he can be having a horrible game. Then suddenly he jumps over the boards, walks three guys, turns back around, walks another guy a second time. And then, you know, forehand backhand. And it's just like, cool. Where did that come from? 
Uh, question in chat, taking out Homer Bias, would you take Marner or Miko? I have them as the same caliber of player. That That's going to come down to the type of player you want, right? Yeah. What does the rest of your roster look like? Yeah. If there is nobody on it, I don't think there's a wrong answer there. Yeah. Fair. Um, I guess you take Miko because he's like $2 million cheaper. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, and, and bigger. Like you could, you could talk yourself into more durable in theory. So we are... Brought to you by Foco. I know the the people in Toronto probably don't know what Stanley Cup bobbleheads look like, but (laughs) here in Colorado, you can go get them right now today with Foco. So go over there to Foco.com. It's F-O-C-O.com to get all of your Colorado sports team merch. They have the big four. They have the Rapids. They have the Buffs. They have the Mammoth. They got all sorts of other stuff there. So any Colorado sports team, at least professional They've probably got you covered. I already mentioned the bobbleheads. They have uh, clothing. They have Crocs. They have pins. They have all sorts of weird memorabilia. So if you're looking for something weird, be sure to check out Foco. Or, you know, if you just want a shirt or a jersey, you can get that there too. Uh, We're also brought to you by Avaca TV, where you can watch all of your Colorado sports, at least the big four. They have Altitude. They have AT&T Sportsnet. They have national channels. Plus, they've also added... A bit more with things like at the NFL Network and the 60 other news and movie and TV station channels. So they have a bunch of different options for you for just 15 bucks a month. When you go to Avaca TV slash Colorado 10, that's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash Colorado 10. First three months, it's just 15 bucks a month. And even after that, it's only 25 bucks a month. So a great deal for a bunch of local and news and sports channels. You got it all covered with Avaca. Third period on uh, the DNVR Avalanche podcast. A couple more players to get to. These two we can talk about together uh, because they both signed their deals after Chicago's uh, dynasty era. And two very divergent paths here with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Kane obviously still an elite player in the league. And Taves, not so much. Taves is still in the league. True. Um, let's see here. Kane, good. Taves, bad. I don't know what else to say. Well, I was going to try to go back and defend Jonathan Taves a little bit. Uh, like, oh, well, it really didn't get bad till the last couple of years, but I can't even say that in good faith. I mean, it's been it's been like weird, right? Like, he makes the NHL's top 100 or whatever and the guy only had one 70 point season up to uh, through that point he had one truly great postseason run and the rest of them were like varying degrees of good to less than that but only one like great postseason and that was the same year uh that no it's it's different years i mean one great postseason and a couple of really good ones and then a bunch of blah, right? And he's never been a big point guy. And so it was like, oh, but it's two-way play and his leadership and all that. Like, if we're talking about, like, quality of centers, uh, the quality of, of, of one sees, even in his prime, I always felt like he was a little overrated. 
Well, it, it's the, what is it? Captain Sirius? Is that what everyone called him? Like he, yeah. he is maybe the pay, player that has been, again, now I think in his prime, Jonathan Tavis was a, he was a very good player. He was very awesome. Good player. Uh, 30 goals, uh, multiple times, a couple of high 20s. Good player. I, I, I He's the type of guy who gets into the Hall of Fame. You look at his stats and you go, really? And then it's like, oh, but he won three cups. Okay. Well, and right, three cup teams. Yeah. Right. And, and so, again, like solid player, not taking that away from him. But I'm with you, AJ. Like when I say overrated, like I don't mean he's bad and people think he's good. I mean, I think he's good, very good. And people refer to him in this like kind of elite tier. And I do just wonder how much he kind of coasted isn't necessarily the right word, but how much he kind of rode those coattails of, wow, he's a great guy in the room. We love having his leadership around and we're willing to pay him as if he's a Patrick Kane level on ice player because he's so good in the locker room. And I feel like that's part of why it feels like it aged so much worse than Patrick Kane's because he never really should have gotten Patrick Kane money. That, that'd be like giving Landis Gog and McKinnon matching deals. It's like, yeah, they both have massive impacts on the team in different ways, but Gabe Landis Gog just isn't the same player that Nathan McKinnon is. And, and I feel like that's kind of where this one went wrong and why it maybe feels so much worse. And this will be the, for the, like Taves's Taves's prime is like catnip for the points. Aren't everything people, you know, <laughs> And you're, it's totally true. And there yeah. were a couple of years early in his career where his offensive and defensive impacts on at the same in the same year were both elite, like absolutely fantastic, right? Where he was a legit Selkie caliber guy. But people have talked about him as a legit Selkie caliber guy, and defensively. He hasn't had that kind of season since 2013. So we're going on a decade now of this guy's reputation out out driving his actual reality. Now, he had that one weird year a couple of years ago. Three years ago, he randomly drops an 80-point season, which yeah. is his career high. He's broken 70 points twice in Almost his career. Almost scored 40 goals, too. So... Yeah, he had a 35-goal season. Like, he, it's nice. He only has three 30-goal seasons. He's not even a point-per-game guy in the postseason, which is where all of his reputation comes from, right? So it's it's really like this weird mixture of, like, I know Data wrote a thing recently about the possibility of, hey, should the Avs try to maybe make a play for this guy at the deadline? And, you know, we talked about it briefly, but I think – like daters like ah you know it's jonathan taves right like come on are you guys crazy and it's like yeah like you're looking at him as jonathan taves and even if you say oh that he's not the player that he was 10 years ago but he's pretty close to the player that he was five years ago and you're like that's still not the argument that you think that it is <laughs> my man like it's you know like it's he's just he's fallen off so hard and there will be some, you know, there are some, oh, okay, well, what about the coaching impact and the defense and the system that's being played and the role that he's playing and the, the talent that declined around him? And all of that is true. 
But the reality here is that that dude it fell apart as as the as Chicago got worse. Taves is kind of the face of that decline. It, it makes it really hard to make that argument when you look to the wing and you see, oh, so Patrick Kane's still putting up ninety point seasons. He's that he hasn't had a problem in Chicago. And Kane is this weird, like, anti-analytics monster, right? Because if you get into his analytics, you're like, is this guy any good? And then you see that he's just dropping 90 points. And you watch him play, and you see the way that he still dictates every shift that he's on the ice. He still dictates play. And it's all this, you know, he's still a high-impact player. And then you look at Patrick Kane's analytics, and they're trash. And you're like... I Jesus, I have no idea what to make of any of this. He he's just he's so he's so talented that he overcomes a lot of that stuff. It's it, it, it Patrick Kane, like you said, he's he's like this weird anomaly. Sorry, Megan, I think I fully cut you off. It's okay. It's nothing pressing. It's kind of driving home to what we're saying is we're talking about these two players side by side because it doesn't make sense for Taves to make Patrick Kane money. And it's be, that's why it's not that Taves is completely a scrub, but he also, especially like as a two C option for any team right now has a chronic inflammatory response syndrome that is going to affect the play through the rest of his career. That even the decline that happens before we learn of this, this is only going to aggravate that even more. And it would be a huge risk. It's just not a very wise decision to take that risk on Taves as a result of that. But even that 81-point season is a 110-point season for Patrick Kane. Like, so much of who Taves is is made better because of Patrick Kane. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because they belong in this same conversation because of what they did together, but it was largely driven by Patrick Kane. Well, I mean, like, to me, you're also, because of what you just mentioned, Megan, like, you are also looking at Jonathan Taves and saying, you know, because we've talked a lot about what does the next contract look like. Does this guy even, does he retire? Like, does he even, not that he, someone would give him a new contract, like a team would pay him, no doubt, but like, is he even interested in that? He sat out an entire season and, you know, he said at a couple points, I didn't know if I was done, if I was going to have to retire. 33 he'll be 34 by the end of this deal are you you know approaching 35 or are are, are you even sure that Jonathan Taves is going to come back I mean he will be he will be 35 years old when he walks into free agency next year so <laughs> like I yeah I would say the deals, the deals, the the they they might they they might have been like fun at the time, like a little oh we're gonna get our two superstars these matching deals, <laughs> but it, it has not gone particularly well for that deal. That deal is the uh, Taves. Ta I've always been on the the island of I think Taves is just a little overrated. Well, and do you want to know and, my favorite part of that too? The matching deals yeah. is the they were like we're doing this so they're Blackhawks for life. And the writing on the wall says that it's actually going to end pretty ugly for both guys. Like, yeah. it's not going to be a good breakup. Yeah, and like the the interesting thing is that Kane is going to be in high demand this year, and people are going to be looking at Taves and that that price tag and being like, Ah, ooh, hey, if he was gonna, uh, you know, if he was two million dollars, right? At his current rate of decline, even fifty percent retained on that deal is like. 
I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean, straight up, like, like if 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 you are just getting Jonathan Taves, even at fifty percent retained, like at the deadline, even, I really don't know how much one teams are going to be willing to pay for that. A lot of it depends on the kind of year he has, obviously. And two, like, I don't know how much the Blackhawks are going to be expecting a big return. I don't think they can expect a, a big return on Taves. On Kane, they yeah. should still be pushing oh. for something. But yeah. for Taves, it's like they have to retain 50%. Like, that's how every phone call has to start. Right, 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 right. And even at 50%, it may not be enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you're still you're still talking 575 there for a team. Uh, you know, now at the dead come deadline time, those numbers are a little little different but it's it's genuinely like i just don't i don't know uh, that they can expect any kind of meaningful return and then what does it look like if they give up jonathan tapes for a fifth round pick and they retain 50 percent of it are they better off just being like hey look we kept him and then if he does especially if he does want to retire what's what's better for that for his legacy you know does he want to go so he want to go dick around in Carolina for a month and lose in the second round again? Or does he want to just, okay, well, I was a Blackhawk for life and now I'm going home. You know, like I, maybe, maybe it's just easier for him to do that, especially with him playing the way that he is. Because the infrastructure around him this year, it's not like it's going to be so much he, better he. that he can be like, okay, well, I've got the, the gang is back together. Here comes another 80 point season. Like, his, he's been a lot more vocal about being unhappy with the rebuild and all that stuff than Patrick Kane has, which given those two guys reputation, that's the exact opposite of what you'd expect. Um, but like Jonathan Taves, even before that uh, article in the athletic from a couple weeks ago, where he like straight up said, this isn't appealing to me. Um, he had a couple sound bites last year where he was like, this is, isn't what we wanted. This isn't what we signed up for. We don't know what direction we're headed. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be really interesting because I'm with you, AJ. Like if, if it was me, <laughs> yeah, the offers are out there. Like, well, Jonathan, we can, uh, it's going to be a three-way trade. We have to trade you twice to have your salary retained multiple times. And yeah. when it's all said and done, we're getting a, a third and a sixth. Like at that point, I maybe just be like, you know what? Veto. I'll just write it out here and spare yeah. being traded for future considerations. Uh, I do want to move us along here. We have a couple more names to talk about briefly. Uh, first being Sasha Barkov, who his $10 million deal is just kicking in. So we'll see how it plays out, but he's been Florida's one C indefinitely. So not too surprising that he got the bag there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have, a couple of, of weird ones. At the very bottom, you have Kopitar, who's at the end of his deal. You know, they won their cups. He's been a, a star for them. It's almost over. He was he was good. No complaints. He's still a productive player for right, them. Like, right, right. Still, still their one C. Like, yep. it's, it's been just fine for Kopi, I think. He was good in the postseason, too, in that series. But in the middle, you have first Sergei Bobrovsky's whatever that is. And then you have Jack Eichel. Those are complicated we'll deals. Yeah, two uh, two <laughs> weird spots. 
It's hard to believe the Eichel deal is half over, too. Yep. Well, it is and it isn't when you remember how much time we lost of his. I mean, we basically lost two full years of Jack Eichel, right? For all intents and purposes. A year and a half, certainly, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, like, it's one of those things where you say, because, yeah, like, it's hard to believe that one's half over. Then you step back, it's like, well... It feels like it shouldn't be this long because we've only seen him play, you know, whatever, three years worth of this deal, two years worth of this deal, whatever it is. He's played 50 games in two years. So, like, we just haven't seen him very much. Right, right. And with Vegas, his his arrival in Vegas, and then when he actually got healthy and began to play for Vegas, so much crazy stuff happened yeah that we have no idea going into next year like that guy's either gonna win somebody their fantasy league or cost them and and i'm sure this is way too dramatic going way overboard with having seen very little um could vegas maybe have been a Bad spot for like this is a guy who seems like he would benefit from a quiet year, quiet summer, a quiet year where he can kind of settle back in. Like, I mean, Vegas and Jack Eichel more specifically are going to be under the microscope next year. I I think it'll be fine as long as they make the playoffs, right? Like, that's really all Jack Eichel wants in his life right now is a team that can be competitive. Yeah, I mean. Have we actually like stopped and looked at how mediocre that team got? It got a lot worse. It did. Because, <laughs> I mean, Jonathan Marchessault was still solid. Riley Smith is fine. William Carlson has been on a steady decline for a number of years now. Um, and, and Mark Stone has Mark Stone has back problems. And we have absolutely no idea what Jack Eichel is. Uh, you know, he was... After all the time that he missed, he was fine last year. But if he scores at the sim at a similar rate that he did as he did last year, that's not ten million dollars worth. <laughs> so you know they and and their bottom six is nowhere near as good as it used to be. Uh, even with them literally signing uh, Nicola Waugh in the middle of our show here, uh, who was a pretty good player for them last year, uh, I I just don't. I don't know. I don't know. And with Robin Leonard, maybe not healthy for the first few months of the season, we'll have to see kind of what happens there. Um, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little iffy on Vegas, honestly. And Jack Eichel's at the center of that because I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know that he is. <laughs> I don't know that he's the man anymore. I yeah. think what they need him to be, the expectation is unrealistic for him. I think they need him to be like a McDavid, and I just think he has a different constitution mentally to be that guy that I think is going to be difficult for him to live up to. I, I think that's a good point, too, because McDavid and Eichel are always going to be kind of tied at the, you know, tied at the hip, one yep. and two. Um, and who was the other one that 
the same type of thing happened where everyone wanted to compare one and two, and they really just weren't like, as great as Eichel is. It's he's not McDavid and Matthews. Like, and line made, a. Ah, thank you. Yep, that's yeah. what it was. And and you know, it's just like I, I feel like Eichel feels like he needs to be Connor McDavid. You know, Buffalo thought he needed to be Connor McDavid. Now Vegas feels like he needs to be. It's like he's not Connor McDavid, and if every year that he tries to be, it's gonna not be good. The thing is. When they got him, I don't think they thought he needed to be Connor McDavid. They thought, we'll get this guy, we'll make the playoffs, and he'll be the key piece to push us over the top. And then they missed the playoffs, and all of a sudden now it's like, okay, Jack Eichel needs to be the savior. I think that's seen even how we, not us specifically, but how people evaluated what little we did get to see from last season. I think people were really critical of him because they had that expectation set a little too high. But he really wasn't bad for Vegas. It just, I think that expectation is starting off too high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was definitely um, like he he scored goals at a, at a solid pace, but he was not nearly the playmaker that you were expecting. And if you go and you look at his analytics, he did not drive play at all. And that's a thing that he's been pretty good at in his career. Uh, so I'm... I will be really curious to see the Eichel adjustment in, in Vegas. And to be honest with you, the, the effect it has on the West, because in one year we went from Colorado can't get past Vegas to Colorado's a juggernaut. Nothing can stop them. Can Vegas even make the playoffs? LOL. <laughs> and the big thing that they've always been missing is the one C it's the, it's the, the Jack Eichel. And if Jack Eichel can be what we envisioned Jack Eichel to be, you know, big a big game-changing center down the middle that that dominates games. Then I think that Vegas is a real deal. They are going to be a real problem. They are going to be a harder out than they have been in the past because they've got the game-breaking talent that they were lacking. And now, you know, if if he does not, if he can't even just be the Jack Eichel we saw in Buffalo, they're sunk. So here, here's where I'll, I'll devil's advocate you a bit here because I agree they, they finally get that piece. But now <laughs> there's a massive question mark in that. Like, I, I, yeah. Vegas has put themselves in a horrible spot where Jack Eichel could go off and it could still not be great because they could have an issue keeping the puck out of their own net. Yeah, I mean, if Robin Leonard's just not healthy to start the year, then... You know, Yikes. you just gotta you gotta figure it out. Logan Logan Thompson, uh, he's been pretty good in the AHL, and he was great down the stretch last year. And no way, Laurent Brossois is as bad as he was last year, right? Right? Maybe I have no idea. But cut to him. They could be. Yeah, exactly. Like he could be. He could be just as bad, and all of a sudden, you know, the Brossois falls apart again. I do love that comment because all the Vegas fans, you know, Oh, it took Vegas missing the playoffs injuries. Oh, we were, everything went against us. Everything went so wrong. What was it? Three straight shootouts that all they had to do was win one. And they like kind of put their fate back in their own they hands. Couldn't score one goal in yeah. like 21 shootout attempts. It was right, yeah, not even. <laughs> yeah. Forget win score score. I just remember us watching those games at the bar and uh, 
the first the first shootout they went to, I remember they uh we were like, wow, what a questionable lineup. Like we what weird shooters. And then the next three nights, it's like, okay, well, never mind. They went through everybody. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I remember and you remember the the one that they went to, the shootout they ended up in against San Jose. Like they gave up that goal with like point something seconds oh. left. Yeah. To even oh get into God. overtime. Like won that game. Like that. they yeah. like it was an all time shitting the bed moment for a franchise. Dude. I totally forgot about that game. Uh, it was like yeah. a Brent Burns shot off the wall. comes right back out front. Yeah. Oh. On the backside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dude. Oh, man. I totally forgot about that. I felt awful for Logan Thompson, who's doing everything that he can. And the, the, end, the end of those getting nothing. tragic, man. <laughs> yeah. 14 rounds in, and the guy's like, I've given up one goal. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Oh my god, dude! It, thinking about that, it was. Oh man! And in that game, it was they so took, magical. They took the two goal lead in the third, and then Nick Benino scores with like two with two minutes left to yeah. get him within one, it, and then Timo Meyer. That game was over. <laughs> yeah, and that was what it was because that was the game. I remember Timo Meyer said like tomorrow's like the biggest game of our season. We're leaving everything out there. And then he's the one that scored to tie it with less than a second to go. That game was sick for everyone. Who's not a Vegas fan, which is most hockey fans these days. It feels like so. Yeah, it was, it was one of the few times watching hockey Twitter band together to say, fuck Vegas for like two straight weeks. And like absolutely, they missed the postseason, and the whole place was like a party. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, how it went down. Anyway, we're wrapping things up here. Any any final thoughts from any of you on contracts, players, other happenings around the league? Anything? Happenings around the league. Boston signed all their guys. No, I mean, we knew that was going to happen, so I don't have any thoughts about it at all. Fair enough. Uh, All right. Guess we're going to get out of here then. If you want a recap of everything the Avs have done this offseason, I just dropped a video over the weekend on that. You can go watch it for a quick little 12-minute coverage. Gets you everything you need. Tomorrow, WJCs begin in earnest. So if you're itching for some hockey to watch, you have options starting tomorrow. Uh, Barons and Olausen both in the tournament. Megan, I know, did some kind of a piece on it, so go read her stuff. Uh, should be should be a fun uh, couple of weeks with the tournament going on. Some stuff to talk about. We, of course, will be back live hockey in too. August. Yep. Everybody always whines about it. Oh, August. We get WJCs this year. That was my favorite part of the World Cup a couple of years ago. Got the little... Can we just move the WJCs to August permanently? I like, like, I like it both in like after Christmas, New Year's time. If we could have it happen both times of year. <laughs> just do two. No, really, this is just when the World Cup should be happening because this no, is usually uh, this is usually when the summer stuff, uh the summer camps uh for for like the WJC like pre camp. Like it, the, it's the summer showcase, yeah. Yeah, the summer showcase takes place, and it's always brutal and irrelevant. Oh, it's so bad, <laughs> and it's it ends up being totally meaningless. 
because uh, I remember Connor Timmons. He was awful. Connor Timmons was like a negative seven in like a game and a half at this thing a few years ago. And then smokes the OHL, makes the WJC team, and ends up being one of the top three players on a gold medal winning WJC team. And you're like, got it. Summer showcase means nothing. Yep. Good to know. Yep. And I never watched it again. All right. We're wrapping it up. We're out of here. We appreciate all y'all hanging out with us today. Again, we'll be back tomorrow. So be sure to tune in for that. Uh, But until then, we'll talk to you on the next one.